0: hello and welcome to creative lives the lecture in progress podcast lecture in progress is an online resource that inspires and informs the next generation of talent by providing practical advice and insight into the creative industry this podcast series features a broad range of people talking about what they do and how they got to where they are our guest this week is London-based Widen and Kennedy creative Akwasi Poku.
1: My name is Akwasi Poku. I've been working at widening and Kennedy for about eight months now. And before that I was at another agency called RGA, and I worked there for three and a half years.
0: As one half of a creative duo, Akwasi has worked alongside partner Abdu Sisse for the past four years.
1: I've known Abdu since I was six years old. When you're working with your friend, it just changes the dynamic completely because you can be honest. You can kind of, like, just get to the solution a lot quicker. I think that's what our job is, basically, like, actually figuring out what doesn't work to get to what does work.
0: Their work has seen them create ideas for brands such as Nike, Google and Sainsbury's, and has even helped projects win awards from the likes of d Creative Review and Eurobest.
1: The best thing to do sometimes when you want to get to ideas or to get to the idea-making process it's almost to kind of like look at yourself because when you do that, then you start to be able to see like things that you would like. But every time we just look at ourselves and it's what we've actually liked, then we start to get somewhere cool because if you like it, there's a high chance that a lot of other people will like it as well.
0: With no formal training in many of the skills he uses every day, including copywriting and pitching, Akwasi started out with work placements that took him from photography to broadcasting at both Channel 4 and the BBC. He tells us how he's created his own opportunities along the way and how he made the jump from post-production to joining concept teams in advertising.
1: There's been a number of moments in my childhood which have led me to this. So I remember being about six or seven, probably seven, and seeing like a Nike football commercial where they basically had to steal the football back from this massive building. And I remember seeing as a kid and just being like, damn, like, how? How did they do that? Like, I just love, like, visual effects. The way that they work and the way that you can effectively create something that looks real, that isn't real, has always been something I think really made me just like, it just like, it's just amazing. I'm amazed by that. I think those things and seeing those things, the fact that ages has just made me realise if someone else can do it, then you probably can as well. In fact, like you definitely can. I think my parents, my mum has just always just kind of like encouraged me to, to keep on going, to keep on pushing. I remember being... 13 or 14 um, Photoshop came out and we had Photoshop in our schools and basically back in those days everyone used to do these like things called productions where you'd basically go and you'd create like little graphics and you put your name in it and I'd done this thing so I'm from like Lusham and I'd done one of like Lusham Lusham's called Blue Bar that's how like, it's kind of like your street name took like the logo and then like the logo is basically a crown and then I'd put like, these stars it was super crap I hated it but put it out put it on Myspace and then um it just went out into the world. And then like I remember like a few weeks later came to school and then like one of my mates showed me on his phone like that someone had taken that, they cut out my name, but they basically printed it and put it onto jumpers. And I was like, what the hell? I was just like, but why would you take that? I literally couldn't understand. But then it was so funny that everyone knew that I created that. And then one of the guys actually brought one into school and it just, it looked sick and it was like quite, Wicked to see that. And then when I was uh, 16, one of my friends moved to West London and she was involved in a magazine called The Cuts. And basically The Cut was like a magazine for young people, made by young people. Um, and she saw like this stuff that I was doing on like MySpace and Bebo and wow, like .tk, all those websites made from back in the day. And she was like, yo, you should come down, check it out. I think you'd really like the stuff we do here. So I went down, I would have been like first year college then. And it was wicked because it was like the first time I'd like ventured to West London by myself, but then also to meet like, like-minded like people. So there was people from all parts of London, like from East, from West, North, South, Southwest. So it was like wicked to kind of open up like that side of the city because I think when you're that age, you literally know your school, your area and home and your, and your cousin's houses. But then what was amazing about the cut is we were given the support to, like, reach out to, like, musicians um, and to actually shoot them and write articles on them. So that's where I learned how to shoot, like, and do photography. So we shot people like Tiny Temper and then he went to number one. We shot Jesse J, she went to number one. We shot Jason Derulo, Titchie Strider. But we were, like, we were kids. We were, like, 16, 17 at the time. So, yeah, it's just, like, it's just amazing to look back and to see that we actually produced that and actually made it. And I think that's the hardest thing as a creative, actually getting stuff out into the world. Because sometimes you can get like super creative anxiety where you're afraid to put stuff out. And that just showed us the beauty of getting stuff out in the world. Even if it's not perfect, just to get it out so people can see like what you've actually done and what you've actually produced. When I was in college, I was at Christ the King in and there was two courses that were very related, but I didn't know the difference between them. So it was motion graphics and it was post-production. So I was 17, to 18 at the time, had to make a decision on what to get into. So um, I got offered a place on the motion graphics course. And, like, the course, it was, I'd love to take you on. But because I really wanted to get into compositing, then I wasn't sure if, if, if that course would give me the skills needed. So she basically said if you don't want to take it then like like it's fine go ahead for the post production course so i just because i knew more about posts and i didn't really know what motion did because i knew it was slightly different and quite related but i was scared i wouldn't get all the skills i needed so i went for the post production course and i didn't get in and it was just like and then by the time i contacted um, the course of the motion course that place had already gone so Ravensbourne offered me a chance to basically do a foundation course. So I just remember being, like, really bugged out. And the main reason to get into the post-production course was because they said that I didn't have enough experience. So I was sitting there and I was like, I'm, like, 17, like, 18. How and where am I going to get experience from? That's the whole point of going to uni. So I looked at it and I was like, OK, cool, I can do two things. I can sulk or I can just make this year, which is going to be, like, probably less taxing as, like, as, like, as wicked as possible. So I looked and was like, cool, they say I ain't got experience and next year I'm going to make sure that they recognise I've got experience.
0: Going on to study editing, post-production and VFX at Ravensbourne, he maintained jobs at companies such as The Mill throughout his degree, setting him up with a wealth of contacts by the time he graduated.
1: I don't know who I certainly him to in The Mill, but then I literally got asked to come down. So I was in my foundation year and I was already at The Mill. Um, just started off running and then after about three weeks I got given a shot to work on for the Adidas World Cup and it was amazing because what they done after I left um, when I went back to uni is they basically would send me shots to work on. In June I got offered like an internship with a mill in London and that was two months and then basically that then led to like freelance work so I was able to be at uni and I was also working freelance on ads as well at the same time as a flame assistant. Um, which was like amazing, and then I got a chance to go to like the Mills New York office as well. For me, what I realized was that I want to be out shooting, and I do love moving image, and I do love kind of creating stuff. But you and post, you do spend a lot of your time in dark rooms. So at the time, girlfriend was like, "Oh, you've got all these ideas. You should get into advertising." And I was like, "No, I don't. My ideas ain't that great. I don't want to do it." And then I came back and. I just looked at it and it just kind of started to make a lot of sense. So my last year, I stayed kind of doing post-production. So I went to the mill in New York in between my second and my third year of uni. And then when I graduated, I got offered the chance to work on something for Nike called The Chance, which was kind of like a film-based project and a few projects with Nike as well, um, which is, again, it was like the first time I got to shoot on actual film. Those two experiences, like, literally was like confirmation. I was like, okay, cool, I need to get out into the world actually creating spent the last three four years of my life trying to get into the industry actually to chill out i had a chance meeting with a creative director at engine and they offered me work experience which was i was like okay cool i'll go i'm literally not doing anything why why not so i went there and um i was asked to work on like it was for their i was at engine's pr company called mischief and like my first brief was to work on this project for tate and loud the sugar company and they had like these nine sugars from around the world. And I was like, oh, like, what do you think we could do? So I was like, oh, why do not we create like a hotel made from cakes? i like, oh my God, that's it. And it literally was the first thing that came up where I didn't write anything down. And then they sold that in and then like 80 grand later, it was getting made. And it was just like, I was like, damn, it's this easy? <laughs> so it was just wicked to kind of like, to be able to know that like, again, like if the right people with the right team that... There's no idea that's bad. You just kind of have to make sure it's contextually correct. And I think that showed me and that kind of gave me the confidence to kind of stay in the creative industries. I think the advice I give to my younger self is like, and to anyone that's like just starting out, to just keep going. The second you give up is when your journey stops. And that's kind of true in anything in life. And if you keep on going, what you'll realise and what I've learned is that even in bad experiences, or bad moments you're actually learning so much you might be on a brief that's taking forever to go through which is just draining you or you might be like in a place where you're not putting out the type of work you're going to put out but actually what you're doing is you're learning the process and you're learning the process of resilience and getting stuff through because every now and then a brief that might you may not have liked initially might turn out to be probably the best piece of work you've ever put out in your life and you might be known for that so you just got to be able to kind of like just actually be super resilient and to just keep on going and to learn and to learn through everything and to take time to like recognise what you're going through and why you're going through it. Like every now and then some people get lucky and they can go on to autopilot and everything goes their way. That happens to like 1% of the 99. The rest of the other 99 has to graft it out and you'll find that by doing that, When you get to, well, I'm not a creative director yet, but I'm sure that those experiences of when things didn't go so great will actually come back because then effectively you'll know how to navigate through stuff. So just recognise if you're going through, you're working on projects you don't want to work on or you're not being given, you've been given really junior or menial tasks to own them, to recognise them and to realise that it's only preparing you for your next biggest step or your next big step. And yeah, one day you'll get there. So just, just don't give up. A big thing, if, if, if like if like you're starting out and you find it a bit hard, like always make sure you've got like a side project going on. And I know it's again like it sounds really basic, but I find that with us adding myself, it's been our side projects and our projects that we've done um away from work that's helped to really elevate us within the within the um creative industries because then you're able to actually trial something out without like a client. Um and you're actually able to create stuff that you actually like, truly love. And what that gives you is like it gives you a whole new skill set where you actually are starting to creatively direct the way that you see the things or the way you see the work or the way you see things. And it just means that when you then go into a room, you have the experience of doing something, especially for something that you love. Because what you might find is that that thing might explode. And also, if it even if it doesn't, just showing people and taking people in your journey of how you got to there will help to show your team and your, your creative directors that you do actually have the skills to break that stuff down. And I think you never stop learning. There's always new things to do.
0: This episode of Creative Lives was brought to you by Lecture in Progress. It was presented by me, Indy Davis, and the guest was Akwasi Poku. The editor was Ivor Manley. Lecture in Progress is made possible with the support of a number of brand patrons. They include us Two, GF Smith, Squarespace, and the Paul Smith Foundation. For more information, check out lectureinprogress.com.